Jacks here. Walks across the dead ball line. Now sprints back for Manly. Up he goes. Changes direction. This is rugby league, folks. Have a look at it. Links up with Cherry Evans. And still on for Manley. Away from Hess. Kicks in field. Look who's there. Tom. I'm happy with that. Chase there. My goodness. G'day and welcome to the SC Playbook podcast, proudly presented by Pat and George from Mortgage Choice SCW. No Tim Williams on the podcast this evening. My name is Max Bryden, your host for tonight. Our thoughts are with Timmy and the whole Williams family uh, after recently losing his old boy. Uh, a bit about me before we get in. You might recognize my voice from the SE Playbook Supercoach uh, Cricket Podcast uh, over the summer. Uh, and when I'm not looking at the beautiful summer game, I'm playing Supercoach in the winter. Finished topped 1K in my first year as Supercoach last year, thanks mainly to all the advice I grabbed from this podcast. And while I can't offer you all the amazing insights that Tim can and in his analysis of the game, what I can do is host a conversation with a bunch of blokes who know a lot more about me. I'm a fan just like you, so I'm really looking forward to the chance to speak to our two experts today. The first, of course, the 2019 Supercoach champion, Des. How are you going, Des? Yeah, cheers, Maxi. Um, not too bad, not too bad. I scored 1,100 last week, um, which was pretty good considering I didn't have Nico Hines. Uh, Wilson's probably still in disbelief that I've gone up ranks without him. But, you know, yeah, it's yeah, it's just a matter of having depth in the right positions across the park where you can cover guys like Hines. I don't have, don't have Harry Grant either, somehow. Um, yeah, don't have either of them. They're huge um, antipods going into this week with Melbourne and Cronulla going head-to-head. So, yeah, sitting nice. okay. Very well played. And our other expert for tonight, 2019 runner-up, Walson Carlos. Walsh, how are you tonight? Yeah, good, Massey. Yeah, good to have you on board, mate. Um, yeah, Desi, uh, I was pretty shocked, actually, because we were chatting throughout the weekend and um, you thought you were going to have a bit of a shock about uh, Fafita come through for you and and that's, uh, and you're probably not in a, like you said, not in a bad position shaping up for this round because the Sharks are taking on the Storm and that's most likely to be a low-scoring one, so it takes out a lot of captain options, but yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, I had a fairly, yeah, fairly, fairly good weekend. Um, 1,232 points moved up into 1,675th place. So I'm pretty happy with that after you know, five rounds. Um, I left a few points on the table with a few selections. Um, you know, I haven't really been running with Josh King, but he's been killing it. Um, I just feel like, you know, just even that try assist that he got from a offload that he had his back to, to the to the line and that sort of thing has been interpreted, but um, yeah, good luck to him. But uh, I sort of he's just sort of been jagging them points here and there, and I haven't had him and just a couple of other things. I've probably left you know seventy five to hundred points on the table, but I mean that's everyone's story. That's super coach. So um, yeah, in a good position and looking forward to this week. Good news, Walsh. Uh, we won't spend too long talking about my team because I had an absolute Barry. Just cracked a, a thousand points after updates after the weekend. Lost about six thousand spots. Back to twelve thousandth after a pretty big week before. Uh, was pretty happy bringing in Campbell Graham into my CTW, but um, at the expense of Katoni, who I thought I'd been pretty patient with uh, up until that point. Really hurt. Uh, on today's show, we'll be talking about team news, assessing Supercoach 2022 and how we've adapted our own strategies. We'll go through the hot topics, the round six trades and skippers, and a few questions from social. So first, jumping into the major team news and um, fair bit around of that today, 
First game of the round, the Canberra Raiders versus Cowboys. Now, firstly, on Canberra, we're finally going to look at Xavier Savage, the exciting rookie. He'll be in jersey number 14 off the Raiders bench, which means that there's a potential that he'll have a nice low score in his average uh, if he does ever get a spot in the uh, the run-on team. Uh, Matt Tomoko also named despite injury with Croker in the reserves. And the Cowboys, plenty of interest in Ruben Cotter after last week when he had that negative break-even. He's still got a pretty good uh, break-even this week as well. But unfortunately, Cohen Hess back from injury. He's back on the bench. Uh, Jermaine Tunua-Brown as well, a reasonably popular cheapie. He is out. Uh, whilst, did you bring in Cotter last week and what do you make of this Hess move? Uh, I didn't bring in Cotter. I was tossing up between Talakai and Cotter. And Desi and I were throwing it around on the chat uh, all weekend. And um, I ended up going with Talakai because of the huge break even. And I wasn't unhappy with that. Um, but I, but my plan is to get Cotter in this week, Maxi. Yeah, like I'm, I'm very keen on him. Um, I didn't see anything that sort of um, would dissuade me from it. In fact, looking at their bench, I think it's actually a better setup for him. Because if you look at their bench on the weekend, um, they had Helam Lukey, Griffin Neem, um, Jermaine Tanoa brown and Jake Granville. And I looked at their bench this week and I thought it was a bit more appealing. So um, just having a quick look at their bench now, um, they had, I thought they had two forwards and he's, so they've got Helam Lukey, uh, Ruben Cotter, Jake Granville and Connolly Lamalou, who was like a centre winger that they've converted into a front rower middle. But I'm thinking he's going to play minimal minutes. So I think it actually shapes up for Ruben Cotter pretty well. What are your thoughts on it, Des? Yeah, I don't mind. I don't mind Cotter. I also went for Talakai um, last week, like Wells. Um, but yeah, I, I really like what I see with Cotter. Obviously, two, three minutes into the game, he made that line break. And I was just, yeah, I was thinking he was going to go huge. But luckily, they kind of just eased him off in the end. And he only got, I think, 49 minutes, um, which is kind of a concern but Codder on 50 50 minutes is still very good he's still going to crank out 60 70 points a week so I can see him being a very a very good um, mid mid-range sort of option yeah the 49 minutes is a bit of a concern does he um, I guess you know I think Timmy put it down in the notes as something to refer to like he has in the past he's got 55 and 59 or something like that so He's a bit down on that. And also the 49 was in a golden point game. So um, I just put that down to being a close game. Maybe Peyton got a little bit caught up with his interchanges and didn't get him back on. But when he came back on, he looked, his leg speed was just, like his speed around the ruck is just awesome, Maxi. So I I would recommend him to people. Um, I think he's a 50-plus score every week. And at his price, he's still a value proposition for me, 420, 420 or 430,000 thereabouts. Yeah, good call. And I think we know with Chris Randall fattening up, maybe reaching his peak next week, that handy jewel from Cotter uh, could be a really nice way as well to, to help get another player out for Randall. Um, looking at the next game of the round, the Rabbitohs will take on the Bulldogs. Blake Taff has taken that fullback spot, as expected, with Latrell Mitchell's hamstring. Worse than first thought, he's looking at eight weeks out. And we'll touch on uh, Blake Taff a, a little bit later. Uh, the Bulldogs, Kyle Flanagan retains number seven. Panthers versus the Broncos. The Panthers are one to seventeen, and at the Broncos, there's a few changes. Payne House asks for a week. Um, now, whilst surely one week suspension for Payne House, he's a hold. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, it's probably one for Desi because he was he was sort of tossing it up when we were talking about the two weeks maybe 
uh, going for a bit of a super pod play, but um, I think I'm going to keep Payne Haas. I mean, you've got a bit of coverage there in the King brothers, um, and, you know, I've got Jai Arrow there. Now you've got Tomalolo, who I could move up there if I didn't want to play Josh King. So, yeah, there's plenty of options. Good to hear. Now, the next game of the round, we see the Manly Seagulls taking on the Gold Coast, Des's boys. Garrick retains the fullback spot. Morgan Harper's out with COVID, which means that our boy Cooler is named for his third game in the centres. So I'm sure there'll be plenty of interest there. Uh, Those on Josh Schuster watch, he's still not within the reserve, so Andrew Davey will play there. Uh, For the Gold Coast, Brian Kelly is back with Corey Thompson the way to make uh, the room in the back line for them. And Jaden Campbell still not part of the team. Uh, with Jermaine Azarko wearing the number one jersey. Sharks versus Storm should be a really big game down there with two teams in form. Talakai, again, named in the centres. There was a bit of late mail during the week that maybe uh, Connor Tracy would be back around round eight, giving him a bit more of an extended run. Um, didn't, unfortunately, pick up that DPP for the three of us, who I know traded him in, um, but did still make a, a lot of money on the weekend with his score of 59. Um, guys, Talakai this week, is he still a buyer given his break-even? Des, what do you think? Um... I don't think so. I, I think I think you'd be hard pressed to bring him in this week. Um, it though it is yeah, it is obviously extremely good. Uh, um, a good fixture for the actually no, it's not. It's not a good fixture at all. They've got the Sharks. <laughs> um, yeah, no, you wouldn't. You wouldn't be uh, bringing him in against Melbourne. That's for sure. I'd almost be tempted to sit him this week. Um, but he's just looking so strong every single run. He could have gone 150, we were saying, before the podcast last week against the Tigers. He was really close to two or three times there um, and still tackle-busting every run. Um, I can see him getting a 40 or 50 against Melbourne, but you could probably sit him. Yeah, I don't mind him, does he? I actually don't mind him running against that uh, right-side defence. So I think if you wanted to run against anyone, um, it would be that right-side defence of Melbourne. Um, the Melbourne Storm, you know, if you wanted to run on one side of the field. Because Remus Smith can um, can struggle at, at stages and he's got a bit of a strength um, uh, deficit there, I think, Talakai. So he could uh, get it over him, a few tackle breaks. I was really impressed with him. He, he didn't get much ball go his way, but it could be the type of game where they game plan for it, hit a few short sides and try and isolate um, Jerome Hughes and, and Remus Smith. Sitting out there on the uh, left-hand touchline, watching him in that second half up and close and personal was just a thing of beauty. The man is absolutely enormous. And as a Tigers fan, I was really, really scared. Uh, And then, yeah, I think the scoreboard flattered us in the end. Uh, Looking at the next game, we see the Roosters up against the Warriors. Angus Crichton again on the bench after playing um, inflated minutes last week. Uh, Takiyaho is also back from a calf strain. He'll be making his way back to the team for the bench. Interestingly, we see Sam Verrill's back at hooker for his first game of the season, which means Drew Hutchinson's out of the side. And we see uh, Connor Watson move into that 14 role, as was expected the, uh, with his whole recruitment. And there's no Billy Smith or Suwali with Kevin Naguama remaining on the right wing. Boys, but there's a bit of talk, and, and we'll get to this later in Hot Topics, about the Roosters and they're a bit clunky in their attack. Do we think Sam Verrills is going to make a, a bit of a difference, Waltz? Uh, to be honest, I haven't really thought about it that much. Uh, yeah, he could. I mean, I guess his service is pretty good and he's a genuine dummy half. But, um, yeah, I think I'm, I'm not that high on the Roosters this year. Like, I, I saw Robinson on NRL on uh, 360 and he was he said they're building into the season and he seemed pretty confident in what they were doing. But uh, they haven't looked great. I mean, like, they got home on the back of Joey Manu 
probably the last couple of weeks, you know, like just Joey Manu brilliance. Like, and like, you know, it's sort of unfashionable tries from dummy half. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not, I, I think like, you know, barrels will be a plus, but I don't think he's going to be a panacea by any means. What do you reckon, Desi? Yeah, I reckon, I reckon you're just saying that whilst because the, the Warriors are up against the Roosters this week. So yeah, he's, he's probably sitting and hoping the Roosters stay, um, stay out of form, but I think they might give the Warriors an absolute beat down at the SCG. No, um, they could. They could, but my worries have been going all right, Desi. Those, <laughs> those, yeah, those 2 p.m. Sunday games uh, at the SCG, though, I tell you, there's there's points on offer. And despite myself captaining Tedesco for 28 last week, um, I might be finding myself with the, the captaincy badge on him again um, against the Warriors. Yeah, it's not a bad shout. I mean, he tends to carve up and... The Warriors have shown that they're a bit uh, vulnerable up the middle, and particularly, like you said, like a day game. Um, they have played a few day games, the Warriors, so they're, they're familiar with it, but uh, they do get a bit loose up the middle. So, yeah, we'll see what happens. Looking at the Warriors, DWZ's back replacing Marcelo Montoya on the wing. AFB is named to start. Current at lock with Aitken and Sirinan in the second row. And Katoa back. Uh, it was dropped last week. He's on the back replacing Murchie. Having a look at the Dragons and the Knights, the Dragons welcome back uh, the Josh Maguire. Not sure how much of a difference he's going to make to their fortunes, but he'll be uh, restarting uh, his first game of the season from the bench. And Josh Kerr replaces Aaron Woods in the run-on side. The Knights, a lot of talk around bulk injuries uh, earlier in the week, uh, and there's a few changes to boot. Edric Lee returns to NRL for the first time after what must have been a really debilitating foot injury. Uh, he replaces Dom Young, who we have heard this this afternoon will be out for about three to six weeks with his injury that he picked up last week. David Clemmer as well, named to start on return from injury uh, and a big watch on Brody Jones as well, who are in the second row. And we'll talk a little bit about that man later on. And looking ahead at the final game of the round, the Eels versus my Tigers again, bulk changes. The Eels, Penasini pushed out to the left wing, getting some very valuable real estate out there. Great news for owners. He'll replace Wanga Blake. Uh, Nia Cora will move to right centre in place of Penasini. Madison back to the bench with Sean Lane named to start. Mitch Rain on the bench again for any Mahoney owners. And Hayes Parham named on the bench for the Eels. And having a look at the ties, gee, some of the rumours coming through this afternoon about the chaos we're going to see on their TLT were very, very juicy. I think two of their five skippers uh, dropped, so there's only three left. Um, at least maybe that's why they pick so many. Um, Dane Laurie back from COVID. Malmolo. Malmolo, Little, Peachy and Gildart all dropped. Garner are going to remain in the centres with James Roberts back and Hastings and Brooks. Well, they've just switched jerseys. Uh, having a look at that, Eels, what do we think it means for Penasini uh, taking over that left wing spot, Des? Yeah, I think it's going to be in points. It's as, it's as simple as that, really. He hasn't really been getting those attacking stats um, out on that right centre spot. Um, we even saw, like, when the Eels go for their spread to the right, they like to have Isaiah Papali'i um, in that center spot on attack. He runs that line. Um, they have Penasini running back on the inside and they just don't pass it to him that much. His base stats are good. They'll, they'll probably remain pretty good at, um, at wing. Um, he'll, he'll probably get 40 in base, but I'd say, yeah, he's going to score a few tries this weekend. He could even be a good captaincy shot right at the death. Absolutely. And speaking of captaincy shouts, we'll get to it later. But whilst, how, what odds are you giving Mitch Moses to break the super coach record this weekend up against the West Tigers, given how well he performs at Combank Stadium and how downtrodden the Tigers are? Oh, I'd give you pretty healthy odds. I don't think you'll get anywhere <laughs> near that, Maxie. But yeah, <laughs> you haven't got much faith in your Tigers, boys. But um, 
No, nah, look, I mean, it looks like a bit of a mismatch um, playing at Combank Stadium. I mean, they fire up Monday afternoon um, against, you know, a West Tigers side that's on the rack a bit. But I actually like Jackson Hastings coming back for the Tigers, and I like the fact that they've given him the reins. Um, I've seen him a couple of interviews with him, and everything he's done on the field has shown me that he's a franchise player. And um, I think they're going to try and build their franchise around him. Uh, whether or not Brooks is a part of it, I mean, that's a big thing as well. But they're persistent with him. I suppose they're paying him enough money, so they're going to see whether he can um, fulfil that value because I don't think they're going to, um, you know, get that value anywhere else for, for him because uh, I'm, I don't know. I'm not sure what Newcastle were offering earlier in the season or over the off-season, like, to pay, like, how much freight that they wanted West Tigers to pay of Brooks's, but surely they'd regret that decision now, Maxie, wouldn't you think? Oh, Not absolutely. Yeah, no, absolutely. It just doesn't seem like it's working, and I don't think he's been a seven for for a very long time. So I agree, it's it's really nice to see um, Hastings throwing the reins, and, and it should at least, um, at the very least, make those fifth tackle options um, significantly better than they have been for the three weeks that he's been out. Uh, now, the SC Playbook podcast is brought to you by Pat and George from Mortgage Choice SCW. The boys are experts in all types of home, commercial, and car loans. So whether you're a local or living interstate and looking to purchase your first ever home or chase the lowest rate for your reference, give them a call on 9521-1611 today and mention SC Playbook for your free tailored expert advice session. Boys, let's get into the taking note portion. Uh, that's the team list done. Now, we all, there's been so much talk this season around the rules of Supercoach, the rules of NRL and the impacts that it was going to have on scoring after what was a ridiculous and record-breaking 2021. We've got a five-game sample size underneath our belts. So the question, and I'll pose to you first, Des, how has Supercoach changed this season and how adapting and how are you adapting your game as a result? Um, yeah, I actually... I uh, don't think it's changed that much. Um, obviously, we haven't seen the massive demolitions that we saw like s- some stages last season just yet, but you never know. They could be right around the corner every any given week, as we saw with uh, Pappenhausen with his 190 last week. So, yeah, I think what you want to do is have a really strong forward pack because they're scoring probably 40 to 50% of your points week in, week out. Um, and, it's yeah, it's going to be especially important um, when when your fullbacks don't fire, like we saw this week with um, Paps and Teddy doing not much at all. So, yeah, I have a pretty strong suspicion that what we saw actually this week from scoring is going to be what the average might look like um, for the rest of the year if we disregard those sco- uh, fullback sort of scores. Walsh, your thoughts? Yeah, I think it's a. I think it's an intriguing year, super coach wise. I, I felt like you know it, it, it probably didn't go my way, so it's sort of easy for me to say this last year. But I felt like it was a, a somewhat a little bit boring the way you know the attacking stats were so high, and it was it was very predictable with the better teams being able to you know smash the lower teams. Um, I still think there's a little bit of that creeping in. I mean, like I said, Parramatta, Penrith at home are going to be, you know, they're going to be loading up and putting racking up some scores on some teams. But um, in general, I think it's a more even competition. The work, the, the teams that were down the bottom have got better, um, apart from maybe West. But like I said, I think when Hastings comes back, I think they'll be a lot better um, this week. So I think, yeah, in general, it's a really exciting season for Supercoach. So um, it's, it's throwing up a few 
interesting ones. The the like Desi said, the scoring from the fullbacks is not as high, so it, it throws in that where we're breaking a super coach rule that's been there for a couple of years, which is like you've got to have two gun fullbacks. Like I'm not going to be running with two. I didn't run with two gun fullbacks last week, and I'm not going to be running with two gun fullbacks for the foreseeable future because I'm bringing in Blake Taff. So, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how people who, who follow that pattern, how their fortunes lie. Yeah, thanks, Walsh. And having a look at some of those rules that we've seen in the past around two-gun hookers and, and loading up on 2RF, and you mentioned that you're steering away from the two-gun uh, fullback route. Where do you see those other key and crucial positions emerging within the, within the team? Yeah, I, I think... You can have two like it's it's strange because we've never had someone who's a gun half and a gun fullback. So if you've got Nico Hines as one of your two fullbacks, then yeah, you can have two gun fullbacks. But I'm rolling with Nico Hines at halfback at the moment because that allows me to have Pappenhausen or Hines and VC and C, but but not this week because <laughs> they play each other. But um, in every other week, you can look at that. But I think you're going to need Cleary at some stage. It's just a matter of when. Um, and getting on him at the right time. So I think you're going to have two-gun halfbacks because I think Nico Hines is a must unless you run Hines as a fullback. So, um, yeah, that's probably the big thing. And I, I do think Pappenhausen is probably a must as well. He did have a HIA last week, which, you know, contributed to his down score. And I don't think he's going to kill it every week like he did against Canterbury, but I think certainly he's a player that you wouldn't want in your side. Des, we saw last year so much emphasis placed on the fixtures that the teams were running into. Even poor teams were running into a good group of fixtures, were putting on high scores and uh, really rewarding owners by increasing in value. How much do you think that that's still the case this year? Or do you think fixtures are less important in a game where we've got more forwards dominating the scoring? Um, Yeah, it's a good question. I haven't really thought about it too much, but... So far, it hasn't been as important. It's always going to have its place, fixtures, obviously. Um, you, you trade in players for for the run of games that they have. That's how part of how Supercoach is played. Um, obviously, some people went for it last week uh, with Cody Walker. Um, Alex Johnson would have been two very big trade-ins, but um, we saw even with the with the really good fixture and the draw, they just didn't, they didn't get any points, so... Um, you can be left kind of holding the bag sometimes if you just ch- chase uh, really good fixtures. Now, whilst we heard, obviously, last week your amazing call about not needing to start the season with David Fafita, but where else after five games do you think has been your biggest correct call? And what's been one you haven't quite got, quite got right when considering the scoring for Supercoach this year? Uh, the one that I didn't quite get right, but I corrected it quickly enough in my books is Nico Hines. Um, and I think a lot of people doubted whether he was able to transition from Melbourne because so many gun players have gone from Melbourne and and they haven't been great at other clubs. You know, there's you can probably name them on one hand, the players that have gone on and, and sort of got better. But he certainly looks like a player on the way up and certainly in terms of super coach, the way they're playing him um, is really conducive to super coach scoring. The things that I've, oh, I'm pretty happy that I've got right, I think, at this stage is I've really gone in with a strategy of targeting uh, value proposition players, and that's really paid off for me. And I feel that if I can have the patience moving forward, that um, 
it'll pay off for me in the long run as well because I've got a lot of cash generation in my squad of 25, um, which is a bit different to what I've done in previous years because um, because of the COVID, you try to have, you know, 23, 24, 25 live players that can play in case someone's out, whereas in the past I've thrown nuffs in there and tried to get and tried to use that money for value. Um, and also I, I don't mind using the VC loophole at, at times as well. So um, that's that's been a big change in my strategy and it's working pretty well at the moment, Maxi. And Des, same question. Five games in, what's the biggest correct call you've had with scoring and what's the thing you haven't got, quite got right? Um, I've got to give a shout-out to my man, Dylan Brown, um, at 5'8". <laughs> just our as, man. Our man, yeah. I think we've all got him. So, um, yeah, he's just been nailing it. A 79 average um he's just killing it so i think yeah people a lot of people would have traded him in last week um expecting some big things um and he probably disappointed a lot of people with only 56 with a try and a try assist so yeah he had a quiet one um i think we're going to see that from a few teams where they they kind of sit their good players out um from week to week we saw it with Monster taking over from Pappenhausen last week and Paps was all over it the week before. So I think the Eels will kind of um, try to instigate that strategy that Melbourne have where they just rotate their attacking avenues week to week. Um, but yeah, also I think my set of wings been pretty good. I've got Lomax and Aiken there just averaging 60 a week. Tago as well. Um, had them all from the start. Um, so I've kind of just nailed that. Okay, moving into our hot topics for the week. Brody Jones, Newcastle, 2RF on the bubble, 275K. Third most traded in so far, 47 points last round, including 12 runs and 22 tackles. Walsh, what do you think? Do you like him? Yeah, I think he's a fair play. Uh, You know, I think um, mainly because of the injuries, like at Newcastle, like... He hasn't got a lot of competition for minutes. He got 80 minutes last week. Um, I know there were some injuries as well, there as well, but, um, you know, they're, they're going down like flies. Like Barnett suspended, Fitzgibbons out for eight weeks. Mamacia just broke his arm, I think. So uh, even when you look at the bench, like they've named three middle forwards on the bench. So I, I don't think they're going into the game with a plan to play you know, like to play him less than 80 minutes. And I think if he's a, if he's an 80-minute player, he scores you around somewhere between 45 and 65, depending on attacking stats. Um, he looked a bit short of a gallop the, the first game that he played. The second game, he looked a bit better. Um, he's got a bit of footy in him. But, yeah, like I certainly think he's he's a solid solid buy, but not, not, a, not a rush to buy him, I don't think. So, But he's a solid buy. I'll put it to you this way. If you've got a nanai or a cow who's necessarily at the top of his cash, would you move a nanai to him? Yeah. Yeah, I would. Yeah, yeah, I, I certainly would. It's not. It's hard for me because I bought him last week, I think, or two weeks ago. Um, I, I think it was two weeks ago. I should have bought May at the time, but I bought him instead, tried to get the jump. So I've already got him. I, li- I've li- I like him um, uh, for a cash generation, even considering playing him as a reserve. But certainly, like, Nanai has to go this week. You know, he's earned you 115000 or something like that, 113000 which has been great. And um, it's time to move him on. 
Desi Mitchell Moses, 655K. He made 76K last round thanks to a 90 and upcoming games against the Tigers, Newcastle, and then the Cowboys. Is it too late to jump on? Um, yeah, yeah, I think you've got to be hesitant when a player is 650K and not a certified keeper in that position, you know, because as well said, you've got Hines and Cleary at halfback. They're just absolute out and out keepers. So Moses is going to have to go to one of them eventually. He might make another hundred k um, with that with that sort of three three games ahead. He'll probably average ninety to hundred over these next few games. But he's so reliant on attacking stats, um, and the Eels have been very good, very very good. They look like a top three side to me. But um, the tap might turn off at any time for Moses, and he could go back down to scoring forties and fifties. And if you still left hanging on to him, um, Cleary and Hines are going to make you pay. Another guy at a similar price, Joey Manu. Three-round average of 99, negative 14 break-even, and some pretty good games coming up against the Warriors, Dragons, Bulldogs, and Dagon, uh, Dragons. Sorry. Whilst, apart from your Warriors, who I'm sure are going to grind the chooks into the ground, what do you think? Is it too late? Oh, I, I don't. I don't overly like the Joey Manu call, even though he's in career best form. It's just, you know, it's sort of pick your poison. Like if you if you said, oh, I think Joey Manu is going to be a great buy, I think then you probably wouldn't have Tedesco in your team. Um, but if you've got Tedesco, then you're probably not going to buy, like pay up for Joey Manu because there's only so many places that the points can go. And they've got Kiri and they've got Sam Walker and... You know, so there's a lot of mouths to feed in that side. If they start racking up points like last year and some of the blowouts, then, yeah, possibly they can all get it. But he's very, very reliant on attacking stats, Joey Manu. Even though his his form's impeccable, but he's just not a player that uh, has been overly consistent with super coach scoring. There's anything to add on that? We obviously know he went on that run last year post the second buy where he uh, really sort of overtook Tupou for the most relevance in that Roosters backline. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of on, on Walsh's side with this one. He's yeah, he's not going to score tries every single week. Oh, he might. He does look twice as strong as Tedesco right now. Um, he looks like he should be playing fullback for the Roosters in all honesty. But um, yeah, as I said, 650K is kind of like the price limit I put on myself for um, grabbing players who aren't um, out-and-out guns in that position. You might have Joey Manu as your fifth center wing, but I don't think he's top four. Ruben Cotter, a guy we spoke on uh, previously, back to the bench for the Cows this week with Cohen Hess back. 430K, 49 minutes last week and a B of 11. Walsh, you said you're still keen at that price? Yeah, I'm really keen on him. I think he's underpriced as well. Um, you know, obviously there's been a bit of a price rise there, but I think he's, you know, he he's still values. So and he's a player that churns out consistently good scores. So I don't think that's going to change. Um, and I and I don't think it's overly relevant to the opposition either. So apart from those really really strong sides like Melbourne, Cronulla, um, and Penrith in the middle. Um, they're really going to they're going to test him out, um, but he'll probably do a lot of tackles in those games, so he'll he'll, he'll make up the you know the super coach points there. But um, with the other teams, he'll test them with his uh, speed around the ruck. 
Desi Cooler last week, Manly, named at fullback. I think he was just about in every single Supercoaches team trade-ins prior to that uh, being that late out. Named at centre this week, still on the bubble um, and set to make a price after this game. Is he still worth a trade-in? Uh, I think so, yeah. I, I can see why people would... I can't see why people wouldn't, so... Um... He's yeah, he's gonna make you money. He we we saw him already play at center um, in his in his second game, I think it was. So he he already looks good there. He passes the eye test. Um, he's gonna make you money, and I think there's still people um, in your center wing that you need to trade out. Um, I know Billy Smith for me. I need to just. I think that's the trade straight to Cooler this week for me. Walsh. Yeah, I just wondering, boys. Do you think he'll keep his spot? Because obviously, I sort of I didn't pick it up in in uh, team lists um, because Tui Pilatu was still um, named at winger. Um, like, do you expect Harper to come back in and then he moves to maybe wing or like like that's that's probably the uncertainty with me um, at the moment. Like, I'd, I'd I'd like to bring him in, but I'm just not. And he looks really good, but I'm just not really sure where he fits into that side. Yeah, the word out of Teamless Tuesday was that Morgan Harbour is out with COVID. So I would expect that next week, Garrick could go back to the wing in the place of Tua Pilotu and Cooler could go from centre to fullback if Harper's fit to return. Okay, yeah. Well, that makes him a yeah, really exciting proposition if he gets a fullback spot while Turbo's out. But we'll have to see because, you know, Des, your boys, Tua Pilotu, he also looked pretty good last week, didn't you think? Yeah, he did look very good. Um, just a really big, strong ball runner. Um, that's the prototype you need when when you're looking for these sort of players in Supercoach. Now, a guy who burnt myself, Des Creek, um, and about 100,000 other Supercoaches last week, Katoni Staggs. Finally came good, huge ton. Negative 10 break-even, buy or avoid. Waltz, what do you think? Sorry, Maxi, who was that? I just Katoni Staggs. Oh, Stags, yeah. Um, he was one that I had at the start of the year and, and got rid of. I'm not going to jump back into him um, coming up against Penrith, but, geez, he looked good. That's what we expected of him from the start, and he's a confidence player. So, um, yeah, I mean, if you've held him, well done to you. And, you know, you, you know, he might get back to value, you know, get a couple of hundreds at this, at this point in time. He's not a priority for me to get into centre wing. Um, but actually, I've got to give a shout out to my young fella. I got two young fellas, thirteen and fifteen, and my youngest fella, Tyson. He was his first year playing super coach this year, and he came one hundred and eighty fourth in the last round. So he got um, he got a pretty good score. Yeah, he, he actually didn't do any trades. He held for feeder and and stags. So yeah, he was. He said, um, "Dad, make sure you give me a shout out on the podcast." Yeah, well done, Tyson. That's a kind of patience that. Yeah, that takes years to, to gain that sort of experience. So you're obviously coaching him well, Walsh. Pretty good for a rookie. He's got more patience than me. Absolutely. And the final guy on our hot topics list, James Tedesco. 28 points last weekend. He's got the draw. Maybe he doesn't have the form line, though. So, Des, what's your read and what are you going to do with him? Uh, I've been burnt by not having James Tedesco in the past just way too badly. Um, I know what he can do. He can come good at any stage. He just he was he was kind of taking that game as a training run um, this week, unfortunately for captainers like myself. But 
yeah, I just think with the draw, the Roosters are too, they've got too much quality um, for him to not start scoring points. But as I said, yeah, Joey Manu does look twice as strong as Tedesco right now, like physically stronger and faster, but Teddy might just turn it on any second. And whilst as a man who doesn't have two gun fullbacks, as you revealed earlier, what do you be doing or what would you do to uh, if you're talking to Teddy owners? I'll be watching and praying that he doesn't carve up my Warriors, <laughs> Maxi. That'd be the biggest thing. But I mean, in terms of everything we know about Teddy, it shapes up really well. The Warriors are vulnerable in the middle. I think he plays St. George and Gold Coast in the next couple of weeks. So you couldn't find three more better matchups for Tedesco. Like I said, I'm not 100% sold on the Roosters this year. I don't know what it is. I mean, there's been a change in their spine, obviously, with Kiri coming back. Um, but I could be totally wrong. I mean, you know, like they could come out and blow, start blowing teams um, apart. You know, they've certainly got that ability. But uh, um, I'm, I'm just going to watch and hope he doesn't go off. I mean, that's all he can do, really. He's not really a buy after a, after the week he's had. I mean, you'd have to be sort of gutsy to buy him in, and it goes against my strategy of uh, value propositions. So I'm going to sit and watch and hope he doesn't do anything. Final part of hot topics for this week. I wanted to spend a little bit of time talking about the Souths. There's obviously a lot of interest in them, given them in their ridiculous draw and their pedigree from, from last season. But, of course, uh, first game of the draw and the fullback goes down. So a couple of questions around this. Furley, Blake Taff or TAFE, is it worth going early on him or wait? He's only played the one game so far, so his price rises don't kick in until next week. Walsh? Oh, that's a big question, yeah. With this cooler one, I mean, it makes a lot more sense. And I'm trying to be sensible and go with the crowd this year a little bit, but um, it makes a lot more sense to get cooler in for my second trade, um, Billy Smith to cooler, and then just wait a week on Taff. But it's, I'm finding it really hard because I like Taff and I liked him as a play in my 17. Um, but I might have to show that restraint and just get cooler in. Um so I'll see how I go, but that, that's that's what I'm tossing up at the moment. Um, but I, I think Taff, if you if you haven't got two clear players that you want to get in, and you know you're tossing him up, and you've got a spot in your halfback or your fullback positions, then I'd certainly get him in. But I wouldn't be I wouldn't be selling someone like a Brad Snyder or even an Ilias. Like if they're set to earn money, I, I think that's that's crazy. I think you got to keep those blokes and. Um, let them earn their money and then and then move them on when they're ready. Desi is a man who has issues in his halfback, and by issues I mean not owning Nico Hines. What would you do with Taff? Yeah, I think I think Wilson hit the nail on the head. Uh, you can hold him unless you think that he's such a good player in your seventeen that like you, you just need him straight away. He's goal kicking fullback. I mean, it's we've seen that it's Supercoach Gold already, so he might come out and start averaging eighty ninety pretty comfortably um, at 200k. So, But he's, yeah, like I said, you, you just can wait on him. He's not going to make money for another week or two. So I just don't see any point in going early on him unless you think he's just going to tear it up. Reminder of that South Straw as well. Dogs, Tigers, Manly, Broncos, Warriors, Raiders, and Tigers again. So pretty juicy. Uh, no, next man draw. on. There's just a, oh, sorry, Maxi. I just don't know if there's enough data out there on him. Like just having mm. a look at. Um, I normally go to the uh, NRL Supercoach stats website 
he only played a few games last year. One of them was the grand final, and obviously we don't have the data um, on that site from for the semi-finals and the grand finals. Um, but I might go back to those games and have a bit of a deep dive into it just to see, because sort of Desi and I were having a bit of a conversation earlier just to see whether you know does he play a similar role to the trail? Does he get that high scoring? Um, but I think I'm talking myself out of it. I think I'm going to go cooler at this stage. Have to see how we go. And the next man on the list, Damien Cook, quietly looking lethal and running again. So 67 average so far this season. And a bit of a stat for you boys. Dug this one up just in anticipation of hosting you two experts tonight. Uh, last year, he had seven plus runs four times. Uh, in all of his games, and he's already done that three times in five games. So he's certainly got the running boots back this year. Any interest in Damien Cook? Yeah, I've, I've always been a fan of Cookie. Um, he was a staple in my in my team in 2019. Um, yeah, he, obviously when he's running, he just looks super good. Um, and yeah, he's got the license to run more. It's it's as simple as that. He's always going to get you 50 tackles. He'll get you 50 base. Um, it's just a matter of upside. And with that south straw, he could really outscore Harry Grant even over the next month, I say. Yeah, the thing about Cookie, Des, is um, he's pretty consistent in playing games, you know, whereas Harry Grant's been out for this and out for that. So, I mean, when you look at the numbers this year, he's ahead on the overall points for hookers um, by about 35 points. He's ahead of um, – because Harry Grant missed, has missed two games, I think. Um, but but if you look at the averages, Harry Grant is – you know, his his average is 85 and, and Cooks is 66. So I, I think if you want to run with two hookers, it's, it's a great option and he's a good backup for Harry Grant as well. The only problem you run into is they're probably going to be the two state of origin hookers. So – um, it might not be great around that buy, buy time. So I, I'm not going to get him at this stage, but I, I could see why people would want to run with the two-gun hookers. Next man on the list, Cody Walker. Coming off one of the all-time shockers on the weekend, despite what was, was a good South victory, could be sub-500K next week. Firstly, uh, Des, I'll go to you. What's doing? And uh, secondly, any interest in buying? What's doing? I wish I knew. Um, if I knew what was doing, I would. I'd know the exact time to buy Cody Walker. <laughs> but it's yeah. I just, just doesn't seem to want the ball. Um, he's not venturing left and right as much as he as as we've seen him do in the past. Um, I think South will click eventually, just like the Roosters, and he'll come good. But um, there's just more informed players at five eighth right now, like Dylan Brown and. Cam Monster, who you just have to go on form. It's as simple as that. Pick the dudes who are in form and they'll score you points. And the final question here on this list about the Souths. This one is about premium CT dubs. AJ, I know the spy bought him in last week, which would have hurt. Uh, 544k, 77BE. Uh, and versus Campbell Graham the model of consistency this year so far, 525K, 22BE. If you were looking at one of these two walls, who would you bring in and why? Campbell, Campbell Graham, just outright, um, just because he's more solid. And uh, even though you've got to pay up for him, um, I'd be more confident that I'm going to get it. I, I, you know, you just alluded to before the, the, the form of Cody Walker, um, Latrell Mitchell's out. I mean, they're not good signs for um, Alex Johnson. Because, you know, you think about a lot of the tries that he's scored, it's been out the back, um, you know, or 
that cutout pass from from Walker. Walker's out of form. He, he hasn't had a try assist this year. I think he broke the record last year. It was thirty two try assists or something. So, no, nah, I don't like AJ at all. I'd have to, it's a bit like Des said. You got you got to see them in form before you actually jump on. I think particularly if you're going to pay a premium price for them. Very good answer. And uh, as a Campbell Graham owner of last week, I'm I'm happy with that one. Now. Out of hot topics, we're into raid, round six, trades and skippers. So, whilst I'll throw to you first. Who are your trades and who are your skippers and VC for this week? Yeah, well, I think I've touched on a Maxi um, Nanai to Cotter. I'm pretty solid on that one. And the second one will be Billy Smith to either Taff or Cooler. Um, I've already used three of my trade boosts, so I don't think I'll pull the trigger on another one. But it's tempting to get all three of them in, but I don't think I will. I might just uh, hold off on Taff unless I read up some information that makes me sure he's going to score sort of 75 plus. Uh, my skipper's really, really tough one for me this week. So that's going to test my patience. You know, um, I'm actually thinking maybe a tail in May or something like that against the Bronx. I think uh, no Haas. Broncos have been notoriously bad um, when they play in Sydney and Penrith are uh, only complacency can get in between them and putting on 40 on the Broncos, and most of it seems to be left side. So, um, yeah, Taylor May is probably more solid play than Targo. So um, it'll be risky, but that's the one I'm looking at. Huge call. What about you, Des? Um, yeah, I think I'm locked into doing Billy Smith to Cooler. Um, for the second trade, I'm undecided whether I'm going to hold it or use it on bolstering up my forward pack. Um, I really like Tavita Pangai um, at 560k. Um, he's only 100k more than like a Josh King who's probably going to peak pretty soon. And TPJ, we just know that um, he's a potential keeper if he can keep the edge spot and keep his head really if he doesn't get himself sin-binned or suspended or anything like that. Um, I think TPJ is a massive trade-in. The duel also very handy, um, yep. particularly if you've got a AFB problem like I do as well still. Yeah, that's, that's for sure. Um, and VC, um, I think, Taylor May, um, in the hopes that he gets a hat-trick against the Broncos, um, as well said, very depleted there. So, And for C, I think I'm going to double down on Teddy. Um, double trouble. Love that. Two weeks in a row. Let's hope he uh, comes good for you. I think for me, not that uh, anyone really cares given my rank, uh, I'll be going Nanai to Brody Jones and might look at a uh, Billy Smith to Cooler as well, just to free up a bit of cash. Now, over to the questions from social. So thanks so much for sending these guys in across Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. First one comes through, and I'll throw this one to you, Des. comes from Cody Mergic Bavista, and he says, with Hines and Pappy already, is Teddy to Moses sideways? Is Teddy to Moses sideways? Oh, it's a downgrade, in fact. Teddy is significantly better than Moses. Love that. Definitive. Walsh, anything to add there? No, I agree. Actually, yeah, you won't get any arguments with me about uh, about Moses. Don't worry about that. <laughs> Next question comes in from Adam Sargent. He says, "I hope you lot are happy with yourselves talking up Wanga Blake. Got him in, put the C on him. Uh, pretty unfortunate with the uh, injury he picked up. So he asks, what's the best replacement for his price, which is about four hundred and sixty k in the Senate W? Ooh." Yeah, that's a tough one. I, I would say I'd I'd be going to Cooler 
um, or or TAF if that if that suits him and like banking the money and using it to, you know, you know for a future trade to to Cleary or something like that. Uh, I'm not sure what Desi would do. Yeah, I think I think similar. Um, I think you're going to need um, Cleary and um, Pines, and you're just going to need stacked players very soon. And we got heaps of heaps of mid ranges like your Kings. Both Kings can be moved on pretty soon, so you're going to need cash to light it up. Hey, just on that one, boys. Um, I'm inter- I was interested to hear you say, Maxi, that Penasini's locked into that left set, uh, left wing position. Is that? Has that been confirmed that he's definitely playing left wing? Because he, he strikes me as a real right side player. So I was wondering whether they'd move Bailey Simonson over or, and that because that makes a huge difference. That left that left wing spot is, you know, as we've seen with Sean Russell, Wanga Blake, I mean, that's just a uh, points bonanza really. So um, has it been Mail coming out and saying he's definitely playing left wing? I'll have to have a look um, at the mail again, but he's definitely got the winger's number on his back. So we'll have to come back to that and Mm. uh, we'll let all the subscribers know on the website. Next question comes in from Chris uh, Daltler and he says, who is the best option to step down from Nanai as he has done his job? Des? Uh, I think we've been over it. It's Brody Jones for sure. Yep, good call. No argument from me. Jay Sharp says, with Huss out, are you playing both Kings or looking for another front row forward whilst I think we said earlier that Haas is definitely a hold yeah Haas is a hold I've got Jai Arrow um, if you've got Tamalolo you could and you didn't want to play Josh King you can swap them over sit Josh King on the bench in your second row forwards and play Tamalolo and someone like Arrow or you know Max King um, depending on who you've got I guess you know but if you if uh, you know if, you, if, if you've only got the Kings and you know you have to go with them they're about 50 50 points average, maybe 60 points for Josh King. He's got a bit of upside. Next question comes in from Husey FPL, and he says, uh, given the Tigers look like the team to target, is it worth saying goodbye to Schneider for Moses, who looks a great captaincy shout plus a decent draw? Walsh? Look, I don't want to advise anyone against this because, I mean, it's really minimal risk play. You know, he's got a... He's got a negative break even, and if you're using it as a short-term play to get to Cleary, I can see that it's you know it's probably going to work. I mean, there's like Desi said, there's probably no way he known unless he gets injured that he doesn't make oh, seventy-five to one hundred k. But Moses has not been notorious for having attacking stats and running the ball. There's been long periods in his career where he hasn't run the ball. So this is sort of more out of character the last two weeks than normal. So he will get the goal kicks if they have blowout scores. So I would just say really, really think about what you're doing. But, yeah, if you're happy with it, go with it. What do you reckon, Desi? Yeah, I'm going to say heavily against it. I I just think Schneider's really good. I think people are... You know, it, it's going over some people's heads a bit how good Schneider really is. Uh, he's averaging like 40, 45 in base for a halfback. The Raiders are playing like absolute shit, really. Mm. And a- as we said, well, the Raiders will come out soon and they'll towel some teams in Canberra. Yeah. It, it yeah. might even be this week. Um, and Schneider could go 100, 140, 150. And people will be thinking, like, like Sam Walker did last year, came out and scored big 150 scores and everyone was like this kid's a you know he's a god he's a super coach god but at schneider he's got the base to back it up if he if the, if uh 
the Raiders really do start putting on some points, he's he's going to be very good. Third best halfback. By yeah, him. I certainly agree with Desi that um, Snyder's done nothing to, you know, justify you trading him out. And I'm not sure I'm on the same path as in like he can go that big because I, I see Snyder as a left side half that's playing on the right side out of necessity. Um, I seen him in the trials and he looked outstanding playing on the left side, but he's never going to get that left side position because of Jack Whiten. But what I will say about Snyder is the only question mark about him is if, well, if Matt Tomoko is out with the injury and Jared Croker comes in, does he lose the goal kicking? Because that's significant. You know, like when, you know, I expect them to maybe score four or five, maybe six tries against the Cows um, at home. Uh, although Thursday nights are usually <laughs> nights I try to avoid because they're stinkers. But, yeah, like um, he's, he's probably not a bad player in your 17 this week if, if he's got that goal kicking. Next question comes in from Ian Bird, and he asks, what do you think about the long-term prospects of Xavier Coates? Is he a keeper due to his high-scoring offense that he's a part of, or should we look at a shift once his price rises end shortly? The Storm appear to be a hard team to read on matchups. What do you reckon, Des? Uh, I'm going to say no to Xavier Coates being a keeper. I mean, he, he just looked very good, but we saw he got, what, 14 points or something on the weekend something terrible so he's going to have those games where he just does nothing um and yeah even when he does score tries he's still only getting 60 70 points with a try um so yeah not even close to a keeper for mine whilst anything to add there is he one of your value propositions no he's not because and and for that reason too if you go back and have a look at the storm wingers um over the last few years they just they're rocks and diamonds. I mean, you know, and Storms are very um, game game plan dependent. You know, one one week they'll go all right, another week they'll go left. You know, so and that, that's that's the way they play, and um, they're not worried about super coach points for their wingers. You know, so um, I, I agree with Desi. I think you know you're going to get some times where his base is so low. It's a bit like Josh Addo Carr was there. The, the advantage he's got is he, he can jump and score those tries. Um, in the air, which um, Adokar didn't have. So he's more likely to jag a lot more tries than Adokar. But, um, yeah, not for me. Well, thanks, boys. That's going to wrap us up here for the SC Playbook podcast for round six. Tell you what, it's been an absolute pleasure to host you two uh, and sit here in the the very big shoes that uh, Tim Williams has left here. As I said before, our thoughts are with him and the family at a really tough time. Uh, But whilst huge performance from you, mate, thanks again. Thanks, Maxie. Thanks, Desi. Des, all the best, mate. Another great performance from you as well. Yeah, cheers, Maxie. Well done. Thank you. Good luck to all the super coaches this week here. Don't trust Jimbo and all the best with your trades.